something 11 times yesterday. It was not premeditated. It was just a part of my regular life. But I didn't start paying attention or counting until it actually mattered. 11 times just yesterday, I sat down at a table. Three times to eat, two times to have a conversation, four times to write, and two times just to rest. Some of you are wondering, what in the world does a table have to do with my walk with Jesus? I think what we're going to find out over the next five to six weeks is that Jesus loves to invite people to sit at a table and have a life-changing conversation. So I'd like to invite you to sit at my table. The table at my grandparents' farm had a melamine top and a chrome wraparound. The chrome wraparound had five grooves in it. I remember as a kid sliding my five fingers in those five grooves as my grandpa served up hot meal, oatmeal for breakfast and my grandma put her famous hot buns in front of me. My stomach still smiled even at the thought of that. I loved that table, but I loved the people who sat at it even more. My parents have a six-sided table made of gold and oak. I got to sit at it again last week when we were home visiting in Manitoba. That table was a place of connection with church friends and great meals and from time to time, discipline. When they would say, Grant, sit down at the table. And I would think, oh no, what have I done now? When Laurel and I were building our house, we spent time in a small townhouse and there wasn't actually room for a kitchen table which allowed us to have a year's worth of picnic meals right in the center of our place. The absence of a table made for memories, but I was so glad when we got to purchase a brand new table for our new home. And every time I look at it in our kitchen to this day, I miss my kids. I think about it. The games and the meals and the conversations and the stories and the holiday moments and the laughter and the tears and the apologies and the one thing I love about you tradition that we do at every single person's birthday and all of the life that made that spot in our house sacred. Sharing a table is sacred. And that's what we're going to do for the next five or six weeks. And the reason we're going to do this is because of Jesus. Jesus kept inviting people to join him at a table. And he didn't invite all of the people that had it all together. He invited the messy and the broken. He would open the door to conversation and, and beautifully awkward moments where people would come and pour out their stories and, and other things as well and spill out their lives. And they found that every time that Jesus opened up a table, it became a place of restoration and hope. And that's what we want to do to kick off fall this year at Christ the King. God created tables for human beings to come to. They were not our idea. We are the only species on the face of the planet that actually convenes around tables. And all the way through scripture, you find them. 
The table of showbread or the table of presence in the tabernacle. The table set in the presence of our enemies in Psalm 23. The communion table where Jesus opened the door to our salvation through bread and wine. The banquet table in the gospels where Jesus invites the least of these to take the best spots. The table manners. And the talk that happens between the Pharisees and Jesus in Luke 14 and the feast at the end of the book where Jesus kicks off a party for all of eternity. 700 years before Jesus even shows up, Isaiah prophesies about a table you can't even imagine. He says, Yahweh, which is another word for God, will prepare a feast of rich food for all people, a banquet of rich drink and the finest of meats. I'm so glad there is meat in heaven. I'll take my filet medium rare and all of God's people said, unless you like it well done and then we will pray for you. (laughs) The table shows up in scripture over and over again and I believe in a culture where we have lost connection with other human beings. I believe that God is calling us all back to the table this fall. Laurel and I were on a trip to Sicily visiting our global partners, Francesco and Melita Romeo. We went out to uh, an Italian restaurant one night in Sicily. So wrap your head around that, right? And I saw it on the menu, spaghetti carbonara. I was so excited. I could taste it just by saying it, spaghetti carbonara. Can you feel it? It's just amazing, right? And I was so excited to order it. When the waiter came, I ordered it. And then Francesco looked at me and he goes, no, Grant, no. I will cook for you at at my house. I was so filled with anticipation. So I settled for pizza which in Sicily is magnifico, and I waited. It was so amazing. And a few days later, we arrived at Francesco's house, and they had set a table for 16. Their family plus six of us who were traveling together. We sat down, and we prayed, and in the middle of Google Translate conversations broken up with broken Italian and broken English, Francesco brought out spaghetti carbonara the way God intended it to be made. I love food. Food is a love language. And that language that night was spoken with an Italian accent. And every single one of my God-given 10,000 taste buds celebrated as God intended that feast of flavors. But I want you to know something. It wasn't the only thing on the menu. The food was amazing, but how people began to connect That's what was beautiful. That was sacred. The Holy Spirit of God was bonding us together as one family. I have a really good friend from France who always reminds me, Grant, it's not a small world. It's a really big family. Food and conversation with Jesus at the center created a bond of faith and family. That table was sacred. I've got a question for parents in the room. I've got a question for grandparents in the room. Have you surrendered the sacred table in your home for the sake of convenience, cell phones, and tight schedules? Ooh, it got quiet. I'm just gonna let that sit in for a moment. I want you to know on the front end, with this series is gonna come a call to reclaim that sacred space 
for Jesus's mission and purposes. And parents, yes, this is strategic. I wanted your children here so that they would know what your pastor is going to call you into account for over the next number of weeks. We often allow the subtle lessening of important values because of our busy lives. And I want to remind us that Jesus keeps calling us to a table and it actually starts in your home. And he writes, says, when Jesus himself wanted to explain to his disciples what his forthcoming death was all about, he didn't give them a theory, he gave them a meal. When Jesus unveiled the new covenant, he didn't do it in a classroom, he did it with a backdrop of fresh baked bread, sweet fruit, and grilled lamb. We need to rediscover the beauty and grace of table connections because it resides near and dear to the heart of God, and I'm going to prove it to you over the next month or so. The table was not only a place to connect, but it was also a place to bless. We often begin a meal, I hope, with blessing or grace, right? It's a prayer to communicate our gratitude to God who grew, sustained, nourished, and prepared everything that's on that table. When you're looking at food, it's important to acknowledge ultimately it all came from God. Yes, absolutely. The farmers planted the grain, the, the dairy people milked the cows, the vegetable growers harvested the broccoli, but God gave the sunshine and the rain. And he gave the spark that allows that seed to burst into what can become a delicacy. First Corinthians 3 is all about spiritual growth, but it comes from a beautiful principle. 1 Corinthians 3 says, So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. Parents, grandparents, big people in the room who know what a floppy disk is even though it wasn't floppy, right? <laughs> Are you modeling what it means to acknowledge the God who makes things grow? Are you kicking off the meal by saying thank you, knowing that without God, none of that would actually be there? I want to remind everybody in the room, you have been blessed, and if there's food on your table, you are so blessed. The place, the table is a place to remember the blessing of God. So we've got connect, we've got bless. And this is where it gets so personal and so beautiful. The, the table was also a place where broken people were welcomed. One of my favorite meal scenes in all of Scripture occurs on the banks of the Sea of Galilee after the resurrection of Jesus. I can't wait to be there in the first week in October. About 50 of you are coming along, and we're going to sit right in the spot where this happens. The breakfast meal is recorded in John 21. Pastor Josh Lees preached about this in the Fish series, but I'm going to recap it for you for just a moment. After watching Jesus die on the cross after the shock of the resurrection of Jesus, after a night of futile fishing, and after a guy named Peter is forced to come to grips with the fact that he denied Jesus, the disciples encounter Jesus and he calls them out onto a beach. Acting impulsively as Peter always did, he dove into the water fully clothed in an effort to get to Jesus. I love that. Instead of running away, in his shame, Jesus moves, or Peter moves towards the one who can forgive him. That's a good listen, lesson. Whenever we sin, we need to run towards God in repentance so we can receive forgiveness and not away from God in shame where we're only going to find condemnation. 
Peter drags himself out of the Sea of Galilee, dripping wet, moves towards Jesus, who has strategically made a fire on the shore. John, earlier in his book, describes the fire that Jesus made using a word to describe it, and he uses it again second time in the book. The word is charcoal, and if you've ever been around a charcoal fire, it has a very specific kind of smell. The charcoal fire of John 18 was the place of Peter's denial. I want you to think about this for a second. For Peter, shame had a smell. God is always in the details. Now Peter gets called up out of the water onto the shore and the smell of his shame is right there. But God is not done with Peter. He's going to reform and reshape the smell from shame into restoration. And Jesus begins with a simple invitation to his broken friend. I love that God picked these words. Come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast. If you're in the room or watching online and you're broken today, I want to invite you to come and have a meal with your Savior. He has a whole feast of wholeness prepared for you. We're going to see this over and over again. The table is a place where broken sinners find connection and belonging with a God who can forgive. Because the truth is this, despite our best intentions, just like Peter, we stumble after Jesus. And the truth is, we all desperately need other people who will journey with us in our stumbling. We need to recover the table as a spiritual discipline in order to strengthen the bonds of spiritual friendship among believers who are walking the same road that we are. I'm going to tell you something. If you are walking the journey of Jesus alone, you're not walking the right journey. Walking with Jesus is a team sport. And we need to reinvigorate our tables with invitations to each other to come, come and sit for a while and let's talk about the Jesus who just keeps preparing the table in front of us over and over and over again. Jesus made a place for Peter and he's made a place for you. And here comes the question, who are you gonna make a place for? I put it this way this past week. When we make space, God brings grace. I want to add one more piece to the table and then we're going to be done. A place to connect, a place to bless, a place of the broken, and finally, a place where God gives and gives and gives and gives. It's a place where we are given an opportunity to accomplish the mission of Jesus. One of the things we're going to hit on is the fact that, that there was a group of religious elite people who did not like who Jesus invited to his table. Not only did they not like the people that Jesus invited to his table, they didn't like the reputation that came along with it because of who Jesus hung out with. By his own admission, Jesus had a reputation among the religious establishment for being both a glutton and a drunkard. One of the most distinctive things about Jesus is that he ate and drank with notoriously messed up people. I hope that makes you feel more comfortable here. I hope you know 
that we don't have a dress code on purpose. We don't want to exclude people. We want everyone to come to the table of Jesus because we just want to get out of the way when he starts having that conversation. When the Pharisees called Jesus a glutton and a drunkard, they didn't make it up. They were actually referring to an old religious rule. If you want to go check it out, it's in Deuteronomy 21.20. But what they were implying was that because of who Jesus hung out with, he should have been actually put to death. But for Jesus, over and over in the New Testament, that table fellowship was a demonstration of how God's kingdom was about to break loose in a whole new way. Gordon Smith says eating was for Jesus a key means by which he proclaimed the coming of God's reign and acted or enacted its arrival. He kept reminding people and reminding us over and over again that this is the way we reconnect with the rest of humanity. We open doors, we sit at tables, we have conversations. Did, did you see what the people from CTK did in those little video clips? Katie and Joe, I mean, they, they, just, they just opened up a table, wrote a sign and said, would you have a, a cup of coffee with me? Would you have a conversation with me? Here's what's really, really interesting. People said yes. Strangers said yes. And we've become so fearful of the rejection, like I never would want to take a risk Aren't you glad God didn't think that way about you? Not worth the risk. What if the conversation goes a little strange? Believe me, if you think awkward is okay, you're gonna see, we're going to see some awkward moments in this series. But I have a question as I close. What's more important? Us getting comfortable with our place at God's table or making room for someone else to join us there? so that they can experience his grace and his mercy just like we have. Time to wrap up. A few weeks ago, we did communion together. Matthew tells the story this way, and I just love it. He says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. It's amazing. If you analyze it, and I don't have time to take it apart, but it's the same pattern of language. Connect bless, break, and give. Eugene Peterson wrote, connecting, blessing, brokenness, and giving, that's the shape of the gospel. He also says that's the shape of the Christian life. To connect, to bless, to be open when someone else is broken, and then to give the very thing that God has given you. Can I talk to the kids in the room for just a second? You're going back to school or you're already back at school. I don't understand why administrators tease you with one day in school and then give you a long weekend and throw you back again. I don't get it. Uh, maybe we should write a letter or something. But kids, I want you to know something. You can do this. You can engage in the mission of Jesus at the lunch table, at the craft table. You can invite the new kid, the lost kid, the different kid. You can do that so that they can see Jesus in you. You're my heroes. You're our missionaries. That was one of the best worship choirs I've ever seen in my whole life. And they were... And they were backstage with Brian and I demonstrating how they could do the splits. And Brian and I were both 
attempting, knowing we would end up in the hospital if we continued at some level. <laughs> students, middle school, high school, college students, you can do this. Engage in the mission of Jesus at the coffee table, the study group table, at the table in the library or the lecture hall. You can invite people to join you at the table so that they can encounter the Jesus you know. Parents, grandparents, take back your table. Have a place, a sacred place, a place of connection, blessing, brokenness, and giving, where you give relationship and you give food and you give prayer and you give understanding and ultimately you give Jesus. I heard a great line the other day that I think has been resonating in my heart because the person who said it could also point to multiple relationships where people came to Jesus and the way it started was at their dinner table. Their assertion was this, maybe before we offer anyone Jesus, we should consider inviting them to dinner because that's what Jesus did. So as we wrap up today, Mom and dad, this is the challenge. Grandparents, this is the challenge. Kids, this is the challenge. Students, this is the challenge. That we would use something as simple as a table to bring about God's kingdom right here in Whatcom County. Some of you are like, Grant, it can't be that simple. Jesus thought so. And I am so grateful that as an 18-year-old kid that he extended a place to me at his table. Messed up, disconnected, broken, arrogant, rude, lying, all of the above. And to a broken kid in Manitoba, Jesus didn't invite me into a religious set of checkboxes. He invited me into a loving relationship. You say, hey, Grant, why don't you come and sit at my table for a bit? Let's talk. Let's eat. Let's work through the pieces together. And oh, by the way, when you come, we're going to get to a place where I'm going to invite you to, to grab another chair and invite someone to sit down next to you because here, here's the most amazing thing about the table of Jesus. It has an infinite number of places. And we're going to start right here with this place. There are over 200,000 people in this county who don't know Jesus yet. What if they started their journey with Jesus sitting at a table with a Jesus follower? It worked for the King of Kings. I really believe it'll work for us. Would you pray with me as we close? God, thank you for a beautiful morning filled with kids and worship and games and energy and passion and love and hope and a table. God, thank you that all through scripture, the table is a place where you keep inviting people to bring their whole selves, their broken selves, to connect with you, to be blessed, to be restored, where you give of yourself over and over again. God, we want to celebrate that as we prepare for a season of outreach. So God, as we um, contemplate something as simple 
as the table that you have prepared for us. God, would you bring us into a place where we give of ourselves so that you could be given. Lord, thank you for my family on this beautiful, beautiful long weekend. God, as we move out of here to go for brunch or lunch or whatever else, may we be mindful that the table we will sit at is a gift from you and may we use it and rest at it and feast at it for your honor and your glory and all God's people said, amen and amen. Have an amazing weekend, you guys. God bless you. We'll see you back next week.